Amen. Good morning. I want to start different than I started the first service because I know that there are people here this morning who you are invited because you were somebody's one. And I don't want to skip over this opportunity that we just sing a lot of songs specifically that here in your presence, we are undone here in your presence, right? God changes us. And if you're first time to New City, I want to invite you to lean in to maybe what God is wanting to say to your life this morning. Here is the good news of the gospel, right? It's that God loved you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for your sins. And so what that means is if any shame that you walk in here with, any guilt that you walk in here with, any regrets that you walk in here with, any, and we all have these things, by the way, like, like if you're the one that's like, well, he hasn't talked to me yet, well, something's off. Because we are all uh, got, got sin in our life. But here's the good news, is that Jesus took your sin, my sin, our sin, and it went with him on the cross. And at his death, he paid the penalty for every stinking thing you've ever done that was outside of God's plan for your life. And your only responsibility to that good news is to say, thank you, Lord, I received that. Meaning that you don't have to take that with you. Meaning that you don't even have to carry it for the rest of today's message. Like you have been forgiven, not because you were good enough or not because of something that you did, but because the blood of the one and only son was shed for you and for me. And all you have to do is receive that. Say, thank you, Lord. And, right, follow me. Not me, Matt, me, Jesus. Jesus says, follow me with your life. Like, your life, I paid for it with my precious blood. That when the Father sees you, he doesn't see your sin. He sees the blood of his precious son, Jesus. You were bought with a high and precious price. Not with one of his sons. He didn't pick the one he didn't like. He gave his one and only, his very best. And he did that for you because he loves you. You are forgiven but if you choose not to follow Jesus, if you choose not to fully accept that gift and you continue life the way that you choose to live it, guess what? You will keep getting the same crappy results. Amen. Repent. Receive the good news of Jesus' death on the cross, the forgiveness of your sins, and follow him. Can I tell you the fun thing about God? God's ways work. I mean, you, some of you, you don't know this because you haven't really stepped into them yet been following Jesus for over 20 years. God's ways work. They're not natural, meaning that they're not the first thing that you typically want to do. And I'll talk about that in a minute. But when you step into the ways of the life of Jesus, our mission statement at New City is that you, we want to inspire you to trust in and live like Jesus. Salvation and then lifestyle. The lifestyle that Jesus calls us into works for your life. You want to change our city, you want to change our world, you want to change your family, you want to change your street, begin to live like Jesus. Man, it's an amazing thing that we get to be a part of. Welcome to New City Church. My name is Matt Miller. I have the opportunity to be lead pastor here, and God has radically changed my life, all right? I mean, like, this is a product of a lot of God chipping away at a rugged Matt Miller, right? Like, I didn't start here. This is something I've been learning. I'm in my 40s. Anybody else in their 40s? I'm, I'm, come on, I'm, there's like five of us. Who's in our 40s? Raise them up high. When, how many of you are older than 40? Okay, a bunch of you. In our 40s, we begin to, here's the thing that we have to change for us in our 40s. We are the product of something that we've been walking towards for a long time. 
I'm no longer in my 20s. I'm no longer in my 30s. And so like I say that for if you're new to church or you're new to ministry and you're like, that's my goal. I got to be like that overnight. No, you don't. This is 23 years of Jesus chipping away at my rugged self. And he's still got work to do. Vacation Bible school start this week. All over our city, churches are doing vacation Bible schools. I remember the song when I was a kid. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It's still going on. But what he's chipping away at now is not what he was chipping away at at 23. So let's allow the Lord to do what he wants to do in our life, not compare ourselves to people across the pews from us and say, God, what do you want to say to me this morning? I hope they listen too, but what do you want to say to me? And let's lean in to see how the Holy Spirit wants to lead and direct your life. This message this morning is one that I've been writing um, for quite some time, uh, actually since January 1. Because on January 1, my world was rocked um, when they closed my Starbucks down across the street. <laughs> That's not a joke. I'm being dead serious. Um, how many of you also frequented the Starbucks at 75th and Quivera? Raise a show of hands. That was your Starbucks. That was my Starbucks. For six years, I was there seven days a week. All right? Yes, I have a problem. <laughs> but get this. I knew everyone who went there. I knew all the baristas. They knew me. They knew what I did, why I did it. I've prayed with them. I've had lots and lots and lots of spiritual conversations. I've had more spiritual conversations across the street than I've had here. That was my place where I was on mission. And in January, it got taken away from me. They didn't ask my permission. <laughs> they didn't ask me what I thought about it. They just said, hey, Matt, just wanted to give you a heads up. In two weeks, we're not going to be here anymore. You can go to this one, or you can go to this one, or you can go to this one. Guess which one I go to? None of them. I've been, I've been bummed. I hit the drive-thru. I'm getting my coffee. I drink the coffee here. They make extra iced coffee for me. Put it in the fridge. I drink it all week for free. Because I haven't had the emotional energy to re-engage in a new place. Just being honest. I walked into the new one uh, not long after the mine closed. And they had to ask me my name. I'm, I, I text my wife. I think the text was, this sucks. <laughs> I didn't even have to order at the other one. I walked in, Matt, we got it, right? Sometimes I paid for it. It was, maybe that's why they went out of business. I don't know. <laughs> but that, that experience, honestly, um, well, there's another one. Over the last six years, this church is very active in our schools. Shawano, Neiman, now Benny Hoven. And in the early days, I was the primary contact for all those schools. Now we have a Shawano team, we have a Neiman team. We even have some staff at both of those schools that, work, that are at worship with us. But I had relationships with the principals and with the social workers. And over six years, all of those principals have either moved on, been fired, or um, what do you call it, promoted. And so I invest my life and my energy into these relationships with people in my community, only again for the school district not to ask my permission but they make a decision that I have no control over and that all that relationship is gone, it's no more. And it can be defeating. And I share that to say that what God has begun to teach me, and I'm a slow learner sometimes, is that I and you have a limited window sometimes in the things that you're like relationally in your life, you're like, oh, I'll do that tomorrow, or hey, I'll do that. Listen, you're not promised that. Because I don't know when they're going to close your Starbucks. 
And I don't know when your boss is going to move on. And I don't know when that coworker is going to take another job. And I don't know when that family member is going to move to Memphis. I don't know when those things are going to happen. But I'm just saying, if you were like me, you're like, well, I hope, I hope, I hope, and all of a sudden the opportunity has gone and you're left without a Starbucks and a new principal. And what do you do in that? This morning, I want to talk to us about this scary, scary topic of sharing your faith. Sharing your faith. Now, when I say sharing your faith, here's what I know. Most of you might hear, uh, I mean, that means that I've got to go and talk about God's Bible to, to people that I don't know. That's actually not what I'm going to talk to you about this morning. When I say share your faith, can I give you the punchline of what I'm talking about? When I say share your faith, it's when you share what God is doing in your life to someone who needs to hear that. Let me say it again. Sharing your faith is when you share what God is currently doing in you, what you're currently learning. This morning, I'm sharing my faith to you. This morning, I'm sharing an experience that I've had this year, in the first six months, that I hope will inspire you to not make the same mistakes that I've made or to course correct your current pathway. I'm not going to teach you the full Bible this morning. I'm going to teach you maybe three scriptures this morning. And so when I say share your faith, what is God doing in your life that you feel like that person that you know needs to hear? That's the hard part. You ready for the hard part? If God's not working in your life, you're not going to have anything to share. If you're not acknowledging God working in your life in any area, what are you going to talk about? You're probably going to make the mistake of just regurgitating that verse that you remembered that has no impact on that person's life whatsoever. But it's to acknowledge, defining your own reality, wow, this is what God is currently doing in me, and he's doing it in me for my benefit. He's trying to get me to look more like his son Jesus. But also, a side effect is I can share my story with those around me that God has given me the opportunity to because maybe what God's doing in me, he also wants to do in them. That is sharing your faith. It's sharing your life. It's not just experiences. It's not taking God out of the equation. It's saying, hey, this is what God is doing in me. Hey, this is what I'm learning from God's word. Maybe, can I share it with you too? Maybe it impacts you. Now, even when I say that, um, and I've I've heard stuff like that in my own life, it hasn't always caused me to move. And so I want us to open our Bibles this morning to Luke 10. If you don't have your Bible with you, you probably have your phone. So turn, open your Bible app on your phone. If you don't have a Bible app on your phone, most of them are free. Download a free one. And let's get into the habit of reading your Bible throughout the week. This is called feeding yourself. So if you're here and you are interested in the things of God, you get to make a decision. Do you want a 41-year-old man to feed you, or are you willing to learn how to feed yourself? Every Sunday, I will give you a Capital Grill steak. Oh, yes, we are that good here, right? Okay, maybe Taco Bell, soft tacos. We're going to give you something, right? But, what I, but the goal is, is that you're learning to eat the word. You're learning to dive into the bread of life throughout the week on your own. And then when you come in here and you hear from a pastor, whether it's at this church or another church, you're like, oh, yeah, I remember that this week when I read. And again, I will feed you, but I'd love to teach you to eat. And so have your Bible. If you don't have that, open the Bible app, and let's dig in. Luke chapter 10, we're going to look at verses 1, 2, maybe 3, 4, and 5. We'll see how far we get. I'm going to read it all, and then we're going to come back to it. Luke records this. He says, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others. Others would be other followers of his. He had the 12 disciples, but there's other people following Jesus, not the 12. 
not just the twelve. The Lord appointed 72 others, and he sent them ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself was about to go. He told them, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Now go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Don't carry a money bag, traveling bag, or sandals, and don't greet anyone along the road. Whatever house you enter, first say peace to this household. If a person of peace is there, your peace will rest on him, but if not, it will return with you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they offer, for the worker is worthy of his wages. Don't move from house to house. When you enter any town and they welcome you, eat the things set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near you. When you enter any town and they don't welcome you, go out into the streets and say, We are wiping off even the dust of your own town that clings to our feet as a witness against you. Know this for certain, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, on that day, it will be more tolerable for Sodom than for that town. This is a story about what we are to do, an example, a command of what we are to do based on the words of Jesus. And so I want us to kind of break this down in a few ways, but I want to first, I want to bring your attention to verse 1, where it says, the Lord appointed 72. I want us to look at that word appointed. Now, some of your translations will have a different word. Somebody that's read a different translation, what word is there instead of appointed? Chose or chosen. Does anybody have anything different from appointed or chosen? What's that? Say it again, sir. Selected. All right? And so here's the thing. Jesus, at times will select you, appoint you, choose you for a specific task. <coughs> specific task. Now, don't raise your hand to this, but I'm going to ask you a question. Don't raise your hand, though. I want you to answer it inside. Are you a follower of Jesus? You need to be able to answer that question. Are you a follower of Jesus? If you answered, yes, I am a follower of Jesus, here's what impl is implied with that answer. What is implied is that Jesus is your leader. If you're a follower, then Jesus is your leader, meaning that Jesus gets the opportunity, has the opportunity, because you've appointed him as a leader, because you're his follower, to say to you, hey, let's do this, and it's, yes, sir, may I have another. Now, I want to give you a spiritual secret this morning, okay? Maybe no one's ever told you this before, but if you were to list out everything that Jesus asked his followers to do, there are not things that most of you will do on your own. Most of the things that Jesus commands his followers to do are not things that come natural. They're not things that your flesh naturally wants to do. For example, Jesus says to forgive as I have forgiven you. Isn't it more natural to stay angry and bitter? Like, I'm really good at being angry. I'm really good at being self-righteous. Right? I mean, it, it comes natural for me. Jesus says to love your enemies. No, 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 no. That's wrong. I hate my enemies. I love the people who like, like me and love me back. But Jesus says, I want you to love. Jesus says, if someone makes you walk one mile, walk two. Jesus says the, that wealth that has been given to you by the Father, to give a portion of it back to the things of God. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's, but give to God what is God's. There's this whole stuff. God says, uh, Jesus says, pick up your cross and follow me. Jesus says, if you want to lose your life, you will gain it. But if you want to gain the world, you will lose your life. There's, I mean, just, you can just read the Gospels and see that Jesus makes these statements that if you're not a follower of his, you will not naturally do. See, a follower reads those things and goes, man, I don't really want to do that. But because Jesus says so, I'm going to step into it because he's my leader. 
and I trust him. And there have been things in my life that I have only done because Jesus said so. But I have seen the fruit of those things, even though they weren't natural, and even though they weren't things I wanted to do. I've seen God work, and I've seen uh, the fruitfulness of forgiveness. And I've seen bitterness in my life be washed away through forgiveness. And so although there are times when I don't want to forgive that person, and I want to stay angry, and I want to stay right, and I want to win the argument, that I've learned through observations and experiences that when I choose to forgive, even though they don't deserve a lick of my forgiveness, but when I do it because Jesus is my leader, that, man, fruitfulness takes root and blooms in my life. It doesn't make any sense sometimes to give what little money we have to a not-for-profit. But it's amazing what God can do with 90% with what I try to do with 100%. It's amazing. It doesn't make any sense. You don't have enough as it is, but God says to be generous, and you're like, I can't be generous. I don't have enough. But we step into those things. We love the unlovable. Those are things that you don't do unless Jesus is your leader. And I say this to say that oftentimes people who say, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus, in truth, you're a fan of Jesus. Because a fan of Jesus isn't opposed to anything that's written in the Bible, as long as it doesn't impact your life or mess with your lifestyle. And you're okay saying, hey, man, I think what that preacher man is saying is spot on until he says it to me. I think it's great for people to have great faith, but I struggle with this in my own life. What I want to invite us into this morning is for those of you who are on the spiritual sidelines, and you would say, yes, I'm a fan of the gospel, I'm a fan of Jesus, to step into this idea of following him, because this idea of sharing your faith, you will not do it unless Jesus is your leader. You just won't, because it's going to be awkward, especially in what I'm about to teach you with Jesus, when Jesus says how to do this. It, it doesn't come natural. It's not going to be the easiest thing you've done all week. But yet it's a command that sometimes Jesus appoints, he chooses, he selects, and he says, you, yes, follower you, I need you to do this. Go. And in that moment, you say, okay, scared to death, and you do it, or you just pretend like it was the burrito you had at lunch, that's something, I'm not going to do that. And you ignore it. It's a choice that we make all of the time. Notice what he says here. He appoints 72 others, and he sent them ahead of him in pairs to every town and place. Read this next part with me, where he, okay, so with me in English dictionary means we're going to read it together, all right? So let's read this together. Where he himself was about to, so Jesus appoints, chooses, selects men and women to share their faith with people that what? Where he is about to go. See, did you know this? This is going to take some pressure off of you. It's not your job or my job to save anybody on this planet. You're not Jesus. Look at your neighbor and say, you're not Jesus. You're not Jesus. You're not Jesus. Did you know what? You're also not to bring wrath and judgment. That's not your job. What we do is we go and we proclaim how God is working in our life because Jesus says, I'm about to pass that way. Matt, I need you to go to Old Shawnee Days this week, and I want you to take your church with you, and I want you to talk about me in every opportunity that I present for you. I want you to uh, figure out, listen, and work, look for ways to work my, what I'm doing in your life into the stories of people that you're talking to. As you're eating those healthy cheese fries, I want you to talk about how the kingdom of God is changing your life, because soon I'm going to pass through that family. See, we're like a tiller. We're going to till the soil up so that when Jesus passes through, they're like, oh my goodness, God has prepared me for this very thing. 
It is not your job to save your husband, to save your wife, to save your neighbor. That's, that's Jesus' job. Our job is to proclaim how God is doing in our life so that when my friend Brandon is ready to receive the gospel, his heart is ready and prepared for that. We are scatterers of seed. We don't make seed grow. You're not to change people. Like, my job this morning is not to motivate you to do something for my benefit. My job this morning is to teach you God's word and so that you can say, what is Jesus trying to say to me this week? How does he want me to go and respond out into the world in which I live? I have zero impact on whether you listen or don't listen. Did you know that? I, I mean, I might face, Facebook stalk you a little bit, but, but I, don't, I don't have any control on what you do or don't do. My responsibility as the lead pastor at New City Church is to define reality and set the go, and then let's see if we can get there as a people. Hey, here's what God's Word says. What do you want to do with it? And how am I going to do with it? And what am I learning from God's Word? So this is the key scripture. This is the key scripture, Luke 10, 2. If you need a reminder, set an alarm on your phone for 10.02 a.m. Don't do it at p.m. You'll just make somebody mad in your house, right? But set an alarm on your phone for 10.02 a.m. And every time your alarm goes off, whether it's vibrating or makes a noise, you can pray this scripture. Notice what Jesus says. I want to encourage you, if you have your Bible... This is one of those scriptures that you need to have highlighted or underlined because this is a key biblical scripture. Jesus says, the harvest is abundant. What is the harvest? Is he talking about rice fields? Talking about wheat and barley? He's talking about what? He's talking about people. Listen, everything that God ever calls you to is always attached to a person. God sent his son into the world not to die for buildings, but to die for the people. Every task that God ever assigns you towards is towards another life that his son gave his life for. It's not for a building. It's not for this project. It's for the, the heart of the people, always people. God's plan in your life is going to always be attached to another life, always to another life. And so the harvest is what? It's plentiful, but the harvest is what? It's people. Right? Like, so this is important, right? So the harvest is abundant. What does abundant mean? A lot of it. A lot. More than you need, right? Like, if you had abundant cash flow, who doesn't want that, right? Abundant. Some of you have abundant children. You have more than you need, right? But abundant. Jesus says that the harvest is really, really big, but the workers are what? Harvest is? Workers are? See, that's not what you and I have been taught. And this is how God has convicted me and how God has radically changed my life. Because good Christian leaders have been lying to us. And I might even be a little bit guilty of it too. Christian authors, Christian leaders, Christian pastors that are so familiar with culture, you know what they tell us? You know what they tell the church? Or they tell the people in the pews, the people in the chairs, the people in the seats? They say, listen, you've got to be missional you got to watch how you live out there because, man, they're against Jesus. And they don't want to hear it. And so when you go to work, you better live, live it like Jesus, man. Be on time, stay late, work hard, do your best. But, but you need to be careful on what you say about Jesus because, you know what, your neighbor doesn't want to hear that. And so what it's done to the church is it's put a muzzle on us. It's put a muzzle on us. And so we walk around living for Jesus in the quietest way possible. We're tiptoe Christians. Because, man, we don't want to offend anybody. 
Now, listen, I'm not saying that you go to work tomorrow or we go out to Old Shawnee Days next weekend and slap people around with a Bible. We ain't doing that. Don't go the other extreme, but I'm just saying we are guilty of being a silent majority when it comes to spiritual things. Like, like we can't talk about Jesus to our neighbors, to our family members. What, what are the two things that we're not allowed to talk about in groups? Religion and politics. Who sold us that? Maybe politics. Probably good for you, right? But the religion piece. See, we bought into this deal that the harvest is little. And there's just a little bit of people out there that want to hear this. And so they need to come and pretty much hold a sign that says, tell me about Jesus, and then you can talk to him about it. I'm telling you, at my Starbucks, and with my principals, and with my school friends that I, that I worked with on those teachers, and I'm telling you, follow my wake. I lived it. Ask them. I'm not up here bragging. I, my goal as a pastor is to walk before the Lord and be blameless. Like, I want to be a pastor that's not perfect, but you guys can say, hey, you know what? Man, Matt loves this city well as he loves Jesus great. Like, that's, that's, that's a thing that I want to do. And so when I'm talking with my principal friends and my teacher friends and all my friends at Starbucks, whether they're baristas or they're drinking the coffee like I'm drinking the coffee, like, man, I'm, I'm representing God on purpose well. Like, I don't walk in, when I'm having a bad day, I tell them. Like, I don't, I'm not putting on faces and, and trying to pretend that as a Christian, everything's great. No, and sometimes it's not. But you know what I didn't do? I didn't take the opportunity that God gave me to share the faith. They knew what I did, and I talked about what I did, and I talked about Jesus, but I never made the extra effort to say to them, hey, I heard you say this. I'm reminded of this. I mean, can I tell you what God's done in my life? You know why I didn't? Because I knew that at some point they were just going to get it. I knew at some point they were going to say, Matt, I've been watching you, and man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love Jesus because I know that you love Jesus. And you know what happened? They closed my Starbucks, and I didn't get the opportunity to lead any of them to Jesus. Not one. Now, I'm not saying that that didn't happen, but to my knowledge, in six years, seven days a week of living for the Lord as best as I know how to, and I'm known, and I'm loved, and I'm trusted, and I'm respected, and they say, man, you're kind, and man, you're nice, and man, you're generous. I never took the opportunity to say, do you know why? Can I, can, I, can I take you out on break and can I sit you down over here and can I tell you why I do those things? Because it's not natural. Jesus has changed my life. But I didn't do that because I didn't want to offend my super, super duper uh, anti-Christian person that's making my coffee six days a week. I didn't want her to be mad at me. I didn't want to lose our friendship. And so I kept my Christian mouth quiet, but I lived the life loudly and then they closed my Starbucks and my opportunity is gone. I've already asked you this question. Guess which Starbucks I go to now? None of them. I walk in, they don't know who I am. And I just, I just kind of been like, wah, wah. I'll just go through drive-thru. I don't have it in me to go through this whole emotional thing of reestablishing friendships. But man, I've got to lean into the scripture. Just talk, you have to lean into the scripture and say, man, what is God saying to me? Matt, go, right? I'm sending you out. I've chosen you. Church, I've appointed you, right? The harvest is plentiful. We've been told they don't want to hear it. Look what Jesus says. Like, okay, let's, let's, let's do this real quick. Who has more authority in our life, media or Jesus? Right? Okay, let's, we said it. Let's believe it. Who has more authority in our life? What the authors are saying with all the research or what Jesus says? Jesus. 
Yeah. And so look what Jesus says. Hey, church, the harvest is abundant. Like there are a lot of people out there who want to hear about me. Not me, Matt. Me, Jesus. People want to believe. They're ready for it. Like if you were to drive by the crops, all of the rice heads would be a nice golden brown begging for a combine to go through there and chop it up and make it into rice. Christian speaking, Jesus says, man, the harvest is plentiful, man. There are so many people that want to receive the kingdom, but notice the problem. There ain't any workers. I can't get anybody to go out there and talk about what God's doing in their life. And so I got this full harvest field ready to be reaped, ready to be benefit to to the world. But yet I can't get anybody to talk about it because we're all afraid of offending somebody. Therefore, Jesus says, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Can I just, at what point do I and what point do you quit praying about something and just simply be the answer to the prayer? Okay, I'm going to say it again. Maybe it'll register better. Jesus says pray for workers because the harvest is ready. It's ripe. It's big. But I can't get anybody to go. So pray to the Lord of the harvest. To send out workers. At what point does the church say, hey guys, we don't have to pray about it anymore. We got churches all over our city. How about New City Shawnee just decides that we're going to be the answer to somebody else's prayer. Here I am, Lord. You can send me. Like at what point do we just say, listen, I don't have to pray about this anymore. I'm just going to be the answer to the prayer. Like, Like, are we wanting some other church down the road to be the answer to this prayer? Hey, God, please don't choose select to point us. Will you do that other church down the road? Because we don't want to weird people out. And I'll tell you this. God has radically changed my life. I thank God that he sent his son Jesus that got a hold of 23-year-old Matt, actually 19-year-old Matt, and began to shape his life because the only way I'm standing up here is because somebody loved me enough to tell me about Jesus back in 1994. And that set my feet on a new path. And we forget what God has done in us. We forget what God has done, and so we don't talk about it. Church, will we be the answer to the prayer? Now, some of you are like, absolutely, I'll do that. But I don't know how. Like, man, I, I see what Jesus says, that the harvest is ready, like the people that want to hear the gospel. But I don't know, what do you want me to do? Can, can I just give you some simple things, and, and maybe you can write some of this down, and maybe it makes sense? And it's just, it's honestly, it's based out of the remaining uh, chapter 10 through verse 12. Instead of reading it, I'm just going to kind of break it down for you. First and foremost, you have to eat what they eat and drink what they drink. You have to eat what they eat and drink what they drink. If you're not willing to engage the people with what they're doing, then don't try to reach that people. Like there's a reason I don't play softball, church softball, because I'm not getting good at it. And so I can't connect with a bunch of dudes out there swinging a softball bat when I get up there and I'm striking out every time and I can't throw a ball. It's not a good look, right? I can't eat what they eat and I can't drink what they drink. Like, I don't walk into Starbucks with a scooter's cup. (laughs) But there's a place that you have to belong. Whether it's your workplace, that that you're, instead of sitting off by yourself, you're having lunch with the people that you work with that you're choosing to engage people, but you got to eat what they eat and drink what they drink. If you don't, you guess what you come across as? Judgmental. Oh, you're too good. Oh, you're too good. Oh, you won't do that? Listen, just be wise on what you choose to do. Number two, this is going to be the hardest one. 
Ask questions. Stop making statements. Ask questions. Ask good questions about that person. Learn about their life. I know you're smart. I know you've got so many things to tell them that will change their life. Slow down. Ask questions and get them to learn to like you, trust you, respect you. You know when you've got them is when they ask you a question. But if you just come in, Christian machine gun, all the things they can change in their life if they follow Jesus, they don't know you, they don't trust you, they may not respect you. But if you eat what they eat and drink what they drink, if you ask great questions, don't talk about how great you are and what you've done. It's like ask questions, listen to what they say, listen to what they say, and wait for them to ask you something. And when they ask, that's when you have to be ready. You have to be ready when they ask you a question. So Tim, when, when you and Kathy went through this, what did you do? Uh, Jesus? No, you got to be ready. You got to be ready. Like it happened to me at Starbucks one day. I remember Amy, one of my favorite baristas there. Uh, she, I, I went up to get my coffee and she said, Matt, can I ask you a question? And I said, yeah. And she said, why are you so kind? I wasn't ready for it. And I gave some Larry the Cable Guy joke. I mean, it was, it was funny. I made her laugh. But it didn't get her any closer to Jesus. Now she thinks I'm hilarious. Go, Matt. But that's not the point. And I remember sitting down in my chair, and uh, they had leather chairs at the time. And I just remember saying, or hearing the Lord say, Bro, you just missed it. I lobbed that up for you. You weren't ready. Now I was ready the next time it happened. It took a couple months. But man, but when they ask a question, be prepared to talk about the Lord. Notice what Jesus says. Now I'm going, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Like lambs among lambs. Jesus is aware of what's going on out there. Jesus ain't dumb. He knows what he's sending you into. But you know what? Wolves don't have a good shepherd. But the lambs do. Jesus has got your back. Jesus is the one pointing. Listen, you don't have to go out there and say, listen, just follow your lead. You don't have to start something new. Just do what you're going to do this afternoon. I'm going to a baseball game and softball practices. I'm not changing my schedule. Just do what you've given. Go manage your restaurant. Go to your cubicle. Just do your job, but just watch what conversations might present themselves to you that Jesus is saying, I've appointed you. I've selected you. I've chosen you to be the light, to be the salt, to be the missionary, to be the proclaimer of what God is doing in the world. Can I count on you? Or are you going to pray Luke 10 too? God, will you please send somebody to talk to my coworker because I don't know what to do. No. May we be the answer to the prayer, church. Amen? I'm going to ask the band to come up. As they come up, I want you to grab your bulletin out. At the bottom of your page, it says, what is God calling me? Right? What is God calling you to do? I want to give you something to think about. Who will you sit by at Old Shawnee Days when we do church outside next Sunday? So next Sunday, we're not here. Next Sunday, we're going to be out at Old Shawnee Days. We're doing a church outside. We've got all of our campuses coming together. I'm praying that God gives us 2,000 people. We had almost 1,500 at Easter. I pray that God gives us 2,000 people at Old Shawnee Days, family reunion, all of our campuses outside at one place. Here's my question to the, the Shawnee campus. Who are you going to bring with you and sit beside at Old Shawnee Days? Now, if you just come by yourself, guess what? We're still doing it. We're not going to not do it because you didn't invite anybody. We're still going to do it. But I'm asking you to who are you going to bring with you, sit beside at Old Shawnee Days. Amen? 
I'm going to ask our ushers to come forward at this time. As we prepare to worship, we're also going to prepare, be prepared to give. And I want to highlight one thing that our giving uh, has allowed us to do, and it's what I've talked about several times this morning, and that's Old Shawnee Days. Church family, if you call New City Home this week, when you go out to Old Shawnee Days, when you see that sign in different places, you get to walk with your held, held, held high because our city loves this church. We're the primary sponsor for Old Shawnee Days. We're going to be selling cheese fries. We're going to be overseeing the picnic tent where people come and hang out and eat their food. Uh, our marble man, Rich Maxwell, is going to be doing his marble ministry and also promoting the things of New City Church. We're in a New City t-shirt. You're going to see New City's name on every banner. Every, every, I mean, it's going to be everywhere, right? That's your church. That's not Matt Miller's doing. That is the ministry of New City Church. This Sunday and this whole weekend, Thursday through Sunday, is our opportunity to love our city with excellence. So if you're out there, notice what God is doing within your church. When you're considering, do I want to give, do I want to invest the resources that God has gifted me back into the ministry? Yes, look what God is doing. That sponsorship wasn't free. It's not a crazy expense, but it's not free. But let's use it well, right? We're going to have a good, good Sunday. There are people in the city that I've gotten to know over the years that love this church. But I don't know where they are with Jesus. I want us to pray for them before we give. Can we do that? I'm not going to say their names because I don't want to embarrass them because we are recording this service. But there's lots of them. And they're good people. And they'll stop by our cheese frost tent and they'll give us a high five and tell us how great we are. But you know what? May we become less and may Jesus become greater. Amen? Let me say, may we become less and may Jesus become greater. And so, Father, we pray this morning that these resources that are gifted to us by the people of yours, your people, God, you've blessed us. They bless the church. God, we use these dollars for ministry this weekend at Oshani Days. May we proclaim your gospel with such truth and grace. And Father, for the 10 to 12 uh, uh, community staff that I've gotten to know over the years and that we've gotten to know, Father, may my conversations that you give me favor in and the conversations that you will hear on Sunday morning, may it inspire them to love you more and to live like you more. Jesus, I lay down any thought of, hey, New City's a great church if it doesn't point them to you. That's not the goal. The goal is that people come to faith in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Church, would you stand with me this morning as we worship? Let's give together in a generous way to support the ministry of New City Church.